I say Africa must wake up the sleeping sons of Jacob for what tomorrow may bring may our dynasty on the morning bliss can you tell me young ones who are we today and today on our dynasty uh, we are going to get a first hand um, knowledge and history and understanding of uh, the great Nyakane uh, Zolo, um, who played an integral role in the political struggle in South Africa. And uh, we'll also be having a bit of an understanding of the role he played uh, during uh, the Shopville massacre. We are joined by his daughter. What an honor. Julia Nzimande, daughter of uh, Nyakane Zolo. Thank you very much, Julia, for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning to the listeners. Early morning. (laughs) It's an early morning indeed. It's not often that, you know, we hear uh, the the story of a great person being narrated or told by his very children. Um, And in this case, it's it's one that we will go down in history. We'll always remember. Julia, tell us about your father because that's who he was to you, your father, Nyakane Tzolo. Yeah, what can I say? I mean, um, to, to us, first, we're two. It's myself and six-year uh, younger brother. And, of course, to us, he was just our father. And as we grow a bit older, we were both born and raised in exile because Dad ended up uh, living with my mother in the Netherlands. And then, yeah, as you grow up, then you kind of find out, um, you know, who they both are in particular, but in particular my dad. And then you kind of hear the story, and then you hear the story about uh, Sharpeville and South Africa and what's happening in South Africa and apartheid and what took place on that day in 1960. Mm. And then you kind of find out um, by your mom initially and then your dad yourself, uh, the role that you played. But also then later you, you tend to understand from other South Africans either living in exile or the role that both my parents still played in exile, being actively involved in the anti-apartheid uh, struggle, of course. Then then you hear who your father was. Yeah. Hmm. Now, before we, we, we go into Sharpville, I know this is the history a lot of people want to to, to um, indulge in. As a person, how was he? As a father, um, because for us as South Africans, we think of this great struggle stalwart, and, uh, and we can't imagine a softer side, a fatherly side. Oh, he was, yeah, he was the sweetest, I, I, I think. And he had a great sense of humor. Um, he loved reading. So he was also a dad that instilled a love of reading um, in us. A great storyteller. And he had a very broad knowledge and he loved music. He had a very eclectic also uh, taste in music. It went from classical to to, of course, jazz. Um, he loved the South African music. And in those days, you had record players, so he had a lot of records. <laughs> <laughs> and Sunday was really his day. And other than that, yeah, just a hard-working man. And like I said, he installed education and reading. And um, he had a great love 
for his country, but also a great love for his family. I mean, he, he loved us dearly. Yeah. Take us uh, to the history that was narrated to you of uh, Sharpeville Massacre and the role that your father played. Um, well, my father was, uh, he was born in, in a place called Bobbers Hook near Kronstadt in the Free State. And then at a later stage, they uh, were relocated to uh, Sharpeville. And he was born in 19... 19- uh, 39. And um, he was 18 years when he became the secretary of the PAC branch in Sharpeville. Sharpeville PAC was recently formed and he became the secretary of the branch in Sharpeville. He got known by other uh, comrades of uh, the Rensville ANC Youth League um, as they were breaking away and forming the PAC in 19. 19- um, he he was known because he had organized a, a huge strike um, at, at the workplace. I think it was African Cable that was the company's name, and and he was then known to be quite outspoken and had a, a sharp political view. And he formed this strike against uh, in at the company. And um, then he became the secretary of the PAC, and he then um, got to know about the program that was going to take place. He, I also found later, it was, it was quite sort of like, you know, you'll hear in drips and drabs his story. And then kind of like later he told me, for instance, I, I would turn Alex or I would ask about Toyando in Venda or I'll ask. And he said, yeah, yeah, he's been there, he stayed there. My dad could also speak all, almost all the African languages, and that was very much also because of his political engagement and, and staying in a lot of uh, townships and, you know, talking to people, politically conscientizing people, and telling them, of course, about uh, the, the, the big plan that the PAC had in place. Um, um, yeah, and and as such, then he led the peaceful march that took place um, against the yeah, as people know, the infamous Dompas, uh, as all black people in South Africa had to carry this Dompas, this passbook, and um, yeah, this was of course so infamous and so dreadfully hated by African people because it restricted people of their movements and also. I mean, uh, failure to produce such a, a pass would result in being arrested. And, um, you know, my, my dad kind of sort of would tell me in, or ask in drips and drabs about uh, what happened on that day. Um, uh, he told, you know, he told me that the night before, and I, I still remember that, that the night before he couldn't sleep at home and that um, he didn't really sleep also that night. Um, but he was proud to to lead the march, and, and, and in their head it was really supposed to be a peaceful one. And then things, as, as people will know, and will be forever carved in our history, it went terribly wrong, yeah, on the day itself. Sure. And, yeah, Julia, you know, yeah. when when I think of our history books and I, I think of the ones that I was, uh, you know, 
exposed to as a child, the basic education history books. There's not much that's being said about stalwarts like your father, uh, Ubabu Zolo. There, there, yeah. there, there isn't much that's being said. Uh, same breath, uh, Ubabu Robert Subukwe. Why is this? Well, it's my personal conviction because they stood for an ideology that is, I still believe, uh, badly understood. Um, They formed a political uh, party um, that also, I think, currently the the mainstream probably doesn't want to know about because in that, I think Pan-Africanism is still very badly understood by people. Um, It's understood as, uh, for for a long time, it was presented to people. And I think that really also happened after 1994 in, in earnest. It was really presented to people as a racist ideology, mainly racist ideology, and therefore you know, I think written out. But I, I've i seen pictures of um, the Langa uh, uh, mass, uh, march that took place. I saw a picture of what happened after the shooting. And um, there were thousands of Africans who supported uh, the PAC. Uh, who supported also the ideology and understood the ideology. So it's always going to be, um, I think, a debate that that South Africa needs to have. Indeed, like you said, is what happened that uh, other political formations, other political parties in South Africa have been forgotten, have been, uh, history kind of been, not reversed, but, Parts of history just forgotten. But I think overall what happened during the struggle um, for all those years, uh, indeed, like you said, a lot of people, people like my father, but also a lot of ordinary people. I was just a couple of days speaking to my friends. Like I said, maybe who grew up and born in South Africa, I said maybe one of your grandparents played a particular role in the struggle, and it is just not known. Mm-hmm. Um and it was also, I think, the PAC was, and people like my dad and Robert Subukwe and many other leaders, they were feared. And therefore... It, you think, know, when you say they were feared, uh, but mm. I think of the significant role that they've played and a total, uh, what, whitewashing of their history or sidelining of the significant role they played, never mind the political party, but the individuals themselves. Mm -hmm. As uh, you know, we commemorate the 58th year um, of uh, the Sharpeville massacre. Shouldn't we be really starting to be honest with ourselves and incorporating every leader, like leaders uh, like your father, Ubabunzolo, in our historical uh, knowledge, in our monuments that we build, naming of streets and towns, because we see, and, and maybe there is a reasoning behind it, but I, I yet, am yet to find out. We see uh, the same, uh, as, um, you know, 
political stalwarts and 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 uh, freedom fighters who are being given monuments and street names and buildings and named after them and uh, the others like Dadanzolo uh, your father Robert Zubukwe are not given the same privilege no no absolutely and i think but i think once that also happens is that then uh, in south africa maybe and that's what I, I mean. We'll have a different debate about the history. We'll have a different debate about what uh, a plethora of leaders on the continent or even in the South, I'm talking about Asia, anti-colonial, anti-colonialism, anti-imperialist discussion and a debate. And I think the wish was very much... Uh, you know, it's the mainstream or the globe or the Western world really wanted was in 1994, and South Africans themselves, I think also understandably, is kind of to forget uh, that discourse, kind of not to open that kind of discussion um, about decolonization. Is South Africa a colony? Uh, A whole debate about are white South Africans... um, are they settlers? Are all those kinds of also the words that I'm using. Um, you know, I was watching a documentary about the decolonization struggle in Vietnam, and there, quite frankly, children know about the history and they'll speak about the French's colonializers. And I think here in South Africa, we're not allowed to have that debate because people will fear that it might just lead to a you know, that will make you an anti-white person, not understanding that it is very important for South Africa, indeed, as you say, to understand their history and the pain and suffering um, South Africans have been through. And and it's one of the, those things that my father always used to say that um, very important to him was that despite it all, the, the 1960 and the Charlottesville Massacre and all the other uh, role that he might have played in, in the liberation song should not be highlighted. He and Robert Tabuqua always had, and he used to, I don't know directly, but he used to say, we are just tools in history. We're just part of our history, but our history, despite it all, will never be forgotten. Mm. And slowly in that also, the roles of various people and more and more South Africans and the youth are going to find out about their history. But I also think if I look at, for instance, how um, I had a Jewish neighbor who told me this, because I also always kind of struggle with that, and she said to me, you know, after World War II, for years we didn't speak about uh, the history and the Holocaust that happened to the Jewish people. But she said, once we started, we didn't stop. And I think we're still probably waiting for uh, Africans and black South Africans and white South Africans to talk about and start speaking about their history. And I think once we really, truly start, we won't stop. Uh, mm. I've always liked that. Mm. And I think mm. it will start with our children. Um, oh, yeah. I think our kids will be the one who is going to ask all of us, you know, granddads, grandpa, mom. Dad, where were you? What part did you play? Uh, what did you know? What didn't you know? 
it's, it's those kind of questions. My cousin just lately, because my mother had a, a family too, and my mother told her, told, at the speech, she told them that she was an MK soldier and all that. And then only afterwards, my cousin came to me and to say, I didn't know auntie was MK and said she was a soldier. And I was like, hmm? She said, no, I knew she was in the struggle and that you guys weren't here for 30 years. Um, all that, and that she came back, and but she didn't know that my mother was, uh, you know, MK. And I was like, wow, you know. Um, and all I really could say is ask your mom, because I, I thought, you know, at some point maybe even our family didn't talk about us, and that for for understandable reasons, for them understandable reasons. Yeah. Um, we are also uh, <laughs> commemorating and remembering uh, Ubabo Robert Subogwe in this time. And obviously yeah. your father is a great hero. Uh, and I, I'd like you to draw a contrast with leaders today, political leaders being specific. Uh, you don't have to mention names, <laughs> but political <laughs> leaders in general, African political leaders, and the sort of leader that your father was. I mean, your father... In, uh, in in 1960, during the Sharpeville uh, massacre, well, before the massacre happened, he stood in front of the police and he was like, yay, I am responsible for these people. Mm. If you want to disperse these people, disperse your police. He stood up and spoke on behalf of all the people who were uh, there in Sharpeville. Mm. He stood up and he said, no one is moving we will not call this gathering off until uh, our leader, Robert Subukwe, has spoken, right? Mm. That, that shows boldness, boldness to authority, um, but it also shows a love for the people that you lead. Servant leadership, I, I would call it. When you draw a contrast between the type of leader your father is and was and, and, and the, of the area, of the era, of the time, and the sort of leadership we have now is it yeah draw a contrast for me i don't i'm trying to ask this question in a, in a correct <laughs> way because uh, I, I, there is a distinct difference i can see it, it, it those days it was more about the people but nam but yeah <laughs> julia <laughs> um you, you look i i think now we've got people who are in government and i think a lot of people um, you know, be it in government, be it in parliament, it has kind of changed to having a regular job. So I think that that's, that's maybe how now, you know, I would say politicians behave or are being seen. I, I don't want to brush all of them with the same, you know, paint them with the same brush because that would not be fair. I think what has happened is that we've got now something that we call democracy and freedom and, um, you know, it's a system that people fall into. So I wouldn't say that none of our leaders have love for their people or see the circumstances our people are living under and therefore also want to bring about change. Um, I think it all comes down to time and some leaders are born to lead and others 
take it maybe as a job or find themselves in a certain space or time that they behave in a, in a particular manner. Um, I won't really harshly, I don't want to be harsh on current politicians, but I will also say, and it's one of the things my dad at one point also told me is that it, it wasn't, it, it's not easy um, to become a freedom fighter. And um, you don't become it, but it's circumstances that lead you to it. But whilst you're there, it's, it's also damn hard work. You know, it's, it's, you don't, he used to tell us about going door to door in the evening. Some people used to chase them away. Um, he told us stories about, you know, the, the bucket in, in a lot of townships. Well, even still today, but then they had the bucket system and people, you know, throwing that at them or, yeah, people being really mean, but also seeing a lot of the hardships of poverty that was huge unemployment that was, um, and, and, and being faced with that is also not easy. And he says, and, you know, it's almost like um, politics can also be sometimes like, you know, it's, once you're in, it's very difficult to get out. Um, and I think a lot of people just want to raise their family and just go to work and, you know, watch Zalo in the evening. It's not as easy as sometimes it, it, it seems, you know, when you look like it. And I myself, as a, as a mother, sometimes ask myself, would I be that brave? Because mm. um, it was also, okay, you know, it's many years ago, you know, and I talk about my parents. Um, my mother is still alive. My father passed away in, in, in 20, uh, well, he passed away 23 years ago, almost uh, 21 years ago. But my mom is still alive, and I, I sometimes really look at her, you know, an old, failed lady, but they were brave. That was also a hugely brave generation. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. Can we hold it at that, Julia? Yeah. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back. I say... Africa must wake up, sleeping sons of Jacob, for what tomorrow may bring. May Our dynasty on the morning bliss. Can you tell me, young ones, who are we today? Good morning, Patricia and the brilliant team. How are you today? I would say the reason why we fail to understand or where we fail to honor the guys like Sobukwe and, and the father of the daughter you are speaking to right now is because they will overshadow the, 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 uh, the efforts or, 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 or the history that we are told by these revolutionary guys, you know, all these guys who call themselves war veterans. It would expose them to show that they were not at war, but they were in exile. Because if you look at these uh, current leaderships or these current war veterans, most of these guys were in exile. None of them was in the battlefield. So uh, learning or bringing these guys into history will overshadow the history or, or, or the efforts of all these other so-called war veterans who did nothing but just went and hide in exile. Thank you. Wow. Okay. I feel that's a very limited uh, point of view because no one 
will leave their country unless they're under duress. And when they are there, it was never about sitting and sipping on tea. It was being strategic and moving around. But in any case, Julia, I'm going to give you to respond to this A-team. Um, look, I, I think I, I understand what the caller said, and I really appreciate, and I do partly agree with him that um, it is perhaps it was perhaps seen as better that we believe just one story. And, you know, sometimes we see reporters on the everybody reads that one book about a history and then feels they understand South Africa. And um, like I said, yes, perhaps if other stories come out, be it, uh, and don't forget even uh, the role that women played in the struggle, however small or however immensely big uh, it was um, uh, by women. And I'm here particularly also talking about uh, women of Gisela Mandela or the, the, the wives of of uh, Veronica Sobukwe. Um, for instance, the, the, it, it, in South Africa, yeah, they, they are afraid to share and make it a collective struggle. And uh, so I do, I do understand what the caller is saying that um, you might speak about overshadowing. I also, in exile, I mean, at the height of of our uh, apartheid, there were like eighty thousand South Africans in exile. Um, the majority, and and so it wasn't that they were all having tea, and it wasn't like, um, well, my parents had. My father had, though he was educated, he had an ordinary job. My mother had at one point, she had three jobs. It was not for all in exile, uh, a life of, uh, you know, of porcelain and just having tea. And and so, yes, I do I do understand what the caller is, is saying and, and how he's phrasing it. Um, and I, it's always a pity, I think, that even in South Africa, um, you have this idea, it has to be, you know, it's almost a case of cheap Orlando Pirates, everything. Oh, in Zales, we had it tough. Exiles, you had it better. Um, you know, oh, it has to be either ANC or your PAC, or in, in this case, post-apartheid, your ANC or your DA. That's the only two parties that exist. I remember saying to a lot of my Dutch friends, like, no, we're not a homogeneous kind of, there are a lot of political mm, formations mm. and there are a lot of, you know, in, in, in South Africa, we were always asked, are you Zulu? You know, and if my dad said, no, he's Sutu, they were like, hey, what's that? Yeah, it so it's, it's about a holistic education when it comes yes. to such things. Yes. We need to wrap up now, Julia. Oh, I'm okay. uh, going to a final voice note that we can squeeze in. Greetings, Patricia. And our guest, uh, well, I can proudly say we have started a movement of teaching some of our youths, very, very young children, our true and real history. Because in our schools, we are not being taught the, the real history. So what I can say is I would like to thank all the people who have taken the action of teaching the, 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 the youth so it's very important for our youth to, to, to learn what actually happened in the past 
that will help them to know the way forward it's in abi musasi in masirule soto thank you thank you Nkabi. julia we're wrapping up but thank you so very much for joining us this morning um to to you and everyone in South Africa uh, upholding the name of your father. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, guys.